Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. We are still in the book of James, and I appreciate Pastor Kevin filling in last week. And uh, we took last week to celebrate a few days, uh, thanks to a wonderful couple in this church. And uh, so uh, then the week before, uh, Pastor Alex and also Pastor, uh, who else has spoken around here? All right, Pastor Marcos on James. So it's been a great study, and I appreciate their great contribution. All right, James, uh, we're going to be covering verses 10 through 12, two verses, all right, tonight. Uh, I love the book of James. I've taught it, uh, I don't know, four or five times over the last uh, 30 so years, and it's an incredible book. I love it every time I read it, uh, going back through the Bible and our reading in the morning. It's just awesome. Uh, it's got so many practical applications and being, uh, having the motive gift of uh, exhortation, it fits right in with the practicality of that gift. And so tonight, uh, let me just remind you about James chapter 1. It tells us how to live under and during the trials that we will go through. And it tells us about the profit or the growth that God wants to take place in our life through the trials we face. Uh, I don't know where this story came from, but uh, someone was telling Alice and I last night, I think it was our daughter, Danielle, about uh, someone, an Afghani, that uh, there was an American there, and there were, of course, they were facing all kind of horrible things in the last few weeks going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban coming back in power. Uh, those people, by and large, uh, are inspired by demonic spirits and killing Christians and hating Christianity and women uh, coming down with torture and abuse toward women. But anyway, there were some Christians there, and uh, American and American was going to pray, but someone was like, uh, you Americans, when you pray in these kind of situations, you pray for comfort and that God would comfort our hearts. We are praying that God use us in the middle of this trial, all right? There's a big difference. We need uh, the comfort of God, but to think that a mindset, which is what the mindset of Christ is and for all of us, is that no matter what trial we're going through, God, may you be glorified in this situation. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm facing. It is about the kingdom of God and how God can use this through me and in my life. Um, and so it's incredible that uh, you, your testimony, your testimony of going through a hard time is, is the key to someone's release from their prison. 
So uh, whatever you're facing right now, you hang on. You serve God with all your heart because God's going to use it in somebody else's life. Amen? And uh, all of us know this. If we've been serving Christ, we know this already because we all have met people that said, here's what I'm going through. And when we go through things, we don't think anybody else has gone through it, is going through it, has gone through it. And what a lie of the devil. Because a lot of people have gone through it. And so when you and I say, well, let me tell you my story. And uh, we tell them what we've gone through. Oh, it just seems to bring peace to their life, comfort to their life. And of course, uh, Paul wrote that to the Corinthians and uh, about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We giving to others as we go through trials victoriously. Well, chapter 2 is a favorite chapter of mine. It condemns personal favoritism. We are not to have favorites, show favoritism in the church. Anybody that walks in these doors is just as good as anybody else, all right, in the natural, the way they should be treated. So in this church, we don't look down at anybody, all right? Uh, It doesn't matter. Somebody comes in with metal all in their ears, their nose, their eyebrows, uh, uh, wherever else, uh, and walks in with tattoos all over their body. Uh, I want to look at them not to see their metal on their body, but to see them as a human being who knows or needs to know Jesus Christ if they don't and can know him through the love of God shown through people just like us. So, the next time you see somebody walk in this church that you think uh, they're probably wondering if anybody's going to pay them attention, you're going to pay them a lot of attention. Amen? We're all going to pay them attention. And Pastor Alex was sharing that recently about someone him and his wife had invited. and They went to an event at Red Bug, and everybody was loving on them. And what a difference that makes, all right? So in this place, we've got all kinds of people, and uh, we love you all. Do you believe that? We love all of you, all right? Not uh, that Southern coming out, you all. All right, so uh, we love all of you, okay? So in chapter two, it begins with condemning personal favoritism and ends with uh, telling us that faith without works is dead. It's inactive. It's inoperative. It's non-compliant versus living faith that produces good works. And then in chapter 3, it's all about, um, I can't believe yet that I I let Pastor Marcos uh, carry that. He talked about the tongue, did a fabulous job. The power of the tongue or just how powerful it can be in our lives, or just how destructive it can also be, unfortunately, in our lives. And that chapter, chapter 3, ended with an admonition to gather the wisdom of God into our lives. And then, chapter 4, Pastor Kevin started out with pride, strife, humility, and ends, the chapter does, ends with the commandment to not judge our brother. Whoa. 
and to understand the uncertainty of tomorrow. How many of you have plans for tomorrow? Anybody here? Well, how many of you know that uh, our plans are subject to uh, maybe circumstances beyond our control, the will of God? Uh, I had an uncle that got saved. He was a total alcoholic, and he got saved. Um, and after he got saved, I mean, he really got saved, all right? And then he owned a big dairy. I used to work for him. And Uncle Doyle would say all the time, I'd work with him right in the pickup, and he'd say, yeah, we're going to take care of this, the Lord willing. And then he would go to lunch, and, well, let's go to lunch. Hopefully, Lord willing, they'll have lunch ready. And it was just constant. Uh, we're going to do this this afternoon, the Lord willing. And I'm like, Uncle Doyle, why do you say that all the time? Well, we're not going to get anything done unless the Lord wills it, all right? And plus, the Bible tells us in James that there is no certainty about tomorrow. We have our plans, and we should, but we don't know if those plans are going to be fulfilled. So, the Lord willing. The Lord willing, tonight I'm going to finish these notes. The Lord willing. The Lord willing, you're going to get something out. He is willing. All right, so anyway. Uh, and so in chapter 4, the Lord willing, but we're going, to, we're going to come in on judging our brother. This is another subject I love, judging. Maybe it's because I've done too much of it in my life, all right? But uh, judging one another, there is right scriptural judging where we are to judge and then there is wrong scriptural judging. So we're going to talk about more tonight what we, uh, what we shouldn't do or how wrong judging appears. And uh, we may just go right into the plan right now, Lord willing. Next week is that we uh, will go right into some of the things we should judge on the positive side. So, let me read James chapter 4, verse 10. Pastor Kevin closed out with humility last week. The Bible says in verse 10, Humble who? Yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will what? Lift you up. He will lift you up. Your job is to humble yourself. God's job is to lift you up. If you take over God's job, he will take over your job. Did you hear me? In other words, if, if you lift yourself up, God will take over your job of humbling you. And uh, let me just tell you right now, you want to humble yourself. You do not want God to humble you, all right? So let's humble ourselves, just like the Scripture says, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. This emphasizes humility, just like the verses that he was sharing 6 and 7 last week. And then in Proverbs 29, another great verse, a man's pride will bring him what? Low. But the humble in spirit will retain honor. Wow. The humble in spirit will retain honor. The promise of humility. The promise of humility. 
Um, James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And so I want to challenge you. Um, maybe, maybe you're struggling in this area. God wants to lift you up. Uh, every person in this building that's serving God, God wants to lift you up. And so all you have to do is humble yourself. Uh, he says to the disciples on one occasion, if you go to a banquet, don't take the higher seats and have the master of the banquet come in and look at you and say, uh, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go to the end of the table. How embarrassing is that? Jesus said it is much better to come in and take the lowly seat and have the master come in and say, hey, hey, come up here, sit right here. Oh, me? And so uh, all of a sudden, you're being paraded in front of everybody. Now, you didn't do that to get the parade, all right? You did that because you're walking in humility, all right? So the uh, promise of humility, the product of humility is the elimination of evil speaking, unscriptural judging, um, unscriptural judging, the products of, wait a minute, uh, it should be scriptural judging. Forgive me for that. All right, typo, scriptural judging. Now, let me read you James chapter 4, verse 11, talking about judging. Do not speak evil of one another. Now, God help us. Uh, I've started saying something recently, and um, if I say something about somebody, I'll say, yeah, they've got some problems, but don't we all? Um, there is that consciousness and awareness that all of us are moving forward by the grace of God, but um, we have never, not any of us have arrived, and we're not measuring to see who's further ahead than we are, and we're trying to figure out where we're on the road to maturity. No, we're all somewhere on the road to maturity, and our attitude has got to be that uh, we're going to speak uh, uh, to others and kindness and love. So it says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who are you to judge another? Now, this is one of the most uh, misunderstood subjects in the Bible. How many of you have ever had someone say to you, you're about to say something, uh, maybe to help them to bring correction to their lives, and you get this. The Bible says you shouldn't judge. You're judging me. And uh, what happens to the average Christian? They, they totally back down. They're like, oh, my Lord, I don't want to judge. Uh, but Jesus was not talking about uh, all judging. There is scriptural judging, and then there is unscriptural judging. And so we are not to 
unscripturally judge someone. But yes, there are times we scripturally judge so that we can help someone. All right? So stay with me on this because it's so important. So what is scriptural judging? Uh, what is it to judge? A judge. How many of you have... Uh, how many of you have ever gone before a judge before? Anybody here? Now, don't be embarrassed about it. Yeah, you know, there's criminals in every church. All right, so anyway, I'm, uh, just because I've never, you know, broken the law like you doesn't mean that, <laughs> right. Uh, how many of you would and should have gone before a judge, all right? So, uh, but you went before a judge. And it was somewhat of an intimidating thing. But a judge is not there to intimidate. A judge is not there to cause harm. A judge is there to gather the facts. A judge is there to make sure right comes out in the end. Now, all of us know judges are imperfect. And that's why you need to vote for godly judges, all right? When elections take place and we introduce, uh, in the past, we've introduced judges. We introduce judges that love Jesus. And so we shouldn't, dear God, I don't want to stand before an unjust judge or one that's got evil in his heart. No, absolutely not. So a judge, though, is to determine or pronounce after inquiry and deliberation to form an estimate or evaluation. And so, you know, hopefully when you stood before the judge, they banged the gavel, said not guilty or case dismissed. And they gathered the facts. And um, as a result, you, you were let go. Or maybe you did something wrong and you went to jail. Uh, listen, that's in the past, thank God. All of us have stuff in the past we don't want to admit, so don't ask me because I'm not telling you. Uh, but all of us have got stuff back there and uh, broken God's law, and so every one of us have. And thank God, when we've asked God's forgiveness, God said, not guilty. Thank God. And we walked away. Uh, thank God. We walked away clean of all unrighteousness. Wow. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 says this, For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Paul is talking about people outside, unbelievers. He said, what have I got to do with judging them? Do you not, look at this, verse 12, do you, all of us, do you not judge those who are inside the church, believers, but those who are outside, God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. In other words, there was a man that in the church of Corinth that had done something very, very evil. Paul said it was so evil the Gentiles didn't even do it. What was it? Well, we find that in chapter uh, 5, verse 1. It says, it is actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as to not even be named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's 
wife, all right? So it was referred to, or uh, the reference was that the man would have had a wife, not the man's uh, that took her as mother, but uh, had a wife, another wife, that uh, he, he took as his own. And so it was a terrible sin, a terrible stain on the ch- church, and Paul said, you should judge this situation. He said, I've already judged it before I even get there. And so they were dealing with this man who was walking in church with a woman that uh, had been married or was still married to his father. And so, you know, they weren't doing anything about it. And so Paul admonished them, you judge this situation and you deal with it. Now, the amazing thing is they did. And Paul says, you remove him if he won't repent. And the amazing thing, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that implies that the man had repented. And Paul says, now, bring him back. Love on him. uh, Forgive him. And uh, make sure. Now, see, that would have happened if he would have repented immediately. But he did not repent. So, now, let's go on. Recognizing, I'm going to make this statement, and it is, uh, I hope it sinks into you, recognizing sin, acknowledging what is right and wrong, making a decision on someone's actions is not, I repeat, is not judging or not unscripturally judging, recognizing sin. You have a relationship with someone, you're talking to them, and they admit to you that they've fallen away, and what are you going to do? Okay, well, I love you anyway, man. No, you're like, well, let's talk about it, and uh, you know, God doesn't want you involved in this lifestyle or this sin, and as a result of that, you know, if they throw their hands up and say, hey, you, you shouldn't be judging me, you're not perfect either, and, and we still stand there and say, brother, the only reason I'm saying this, or sister, is because I love you, and because I love you, I want to speak truth to you. We are to speak the truth in love. Amen? So, acknowledging sin, acknowledging what is right and wrong, making a decision on someone's actions is not judging. It's not judging. Uh, years ago, the guy that um, started the DeLorean car, uh, they don't make them anymore, but uh, years ago, there were that, that car was being made by this gentleman, and then there was some transaction with a guy that had been in drugs, and, and DeLorean had gone to the hotel, and when I heard that story, I said, here's what I said, that man is as guilty as mud. Now, I don't know if I use the word mud, but I use uh, the characteristic of he's guilty, absolutely, he's guilty, guilty, guilty. Because when I saw on TV the video and him taking what looked like um, drugs or money, exchanging, I'm like, there it is. Who needs a jury? I'm the judge. He's guilty. Send him to prison. That was my attitude. Sometime later, 
I'm driving down I-4 in the church van. And I'm going, I think, to the radio station where we were preaching the gospel. And I'm listening to the radio, Christian radio, and he is on the radio. And he's talking about the fact that he's, he's a follower in Christ. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord, I think I'm in trouble. And I'm listening to him, and he, he tells a story about what happened and that someone was setting him up, and he got with uh, an attorney and got with someone. He said, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I don't know what they're after or up to. And so he tells the whole story. He let somebody know, uh, even when he went there that night, told him what was happening, and, uh, and he went there because there was pressure. I can't remember the pressure point to go, but when I heard that story, here is what I did. Because toward the end of the story, he's sitting in the courtroom, and he's praying. And I'm listening to this, and I remember he's guilty as mud. And all of a sudden, I am the one that felt guilty as mud. And I sat there, and I began to cry and weep and pray, God, forgive me. Forgive me. God, forgive me. Now, Pastor, have you ever done anything like that since? That's for another sermon, all right? I'm just telling you, all right? Um, that's for several more sermons, all right? Uh, because unfortunately, and none of them are coming to my mind, but I know they're there, all right? I know there have been cases where I saw something. I also know that TV video editing and all that stuff, you can make stories look just about any way you want to. And there, therefore, we sit there. We're to be righteous judges uh, on certain situations. There are certain situations we're not to judge at all. But we are in the kingdom. We're to judge righteously. And even as we observe the world and things on TV, and we say, look at that, look at that. They're guilty, guilty, guilty. And we draw conclusions based on no evidence but an edited video. And so we have to be, we're better than that. We're to be righteous. And yet, I know we probably all have slipped into it because it's so easy to slip into. It's so easy to believe. I used to think, Literally, I used to think years ago, everything written in the newspaper was true. And I discovered years and years ago, the pack of liars are writing some of that stuff. And one such story, a, a couple in our church, they were starting like a, a movie um, supply business and, and uh, doing all kind of things with the movie industry here in town. And the reporter from the... Uh, Newspaper went out to talk to them, and it was going great, and they were having a great conversation. Uh, well, I've got ahead of myself. I read the article in the paper, and the article in the paper said that this couple, they got together with other couples on the weekend and, and partied down. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I see them in church. I guess they party afterwards. Um, 
I believe the story because who would print something that was a lie? What kind of evil person would do that to put wrong thoughts and lies in our mind? Plenty of people. And so she comes, or I call them. I call her to uh, tell her, congratulations, I saw. And she says to me, first thing out of her mouth, oh, pastor, I am so embarrassed. I thought confession time's coming, and so, um, you know. Yeah, we're going to get you cleaned up, girl, and uh, this partying down is going to be over with after this weekend. And uh, she says to me, Pastor, this reporter came. Everything was going great until we started telling him we're believers, we love Jesus, and all of a sudden he turned and started acting totally different toward us. And we said, yeah, we get together on weekends and have a good time, you know, and uh he makes it out like, yeah, they have, they're having a good time, an evil good time. And I heard the wor words out of her mouth. She was embarrassed. She, they calls her great embarrassment about lying about her. Uh, folks, the news media, okay, <laughs> we have got to do a better job on uh, making sure. I don't even already listen to it anymore because I don't want those lies put into my mind that are not true. And there's so many people, they're just good people who are bound by the spirits of hell, all right? They're good people that need Jesus. And so we, uh, we acknowledge that, but we don't allow this stuff into our lives. And we certainly don't judge people guilty based on uh, something that is not substantial evidence. You would want to have all the facts brought out in your case if you were innocent. You would want everything brought out, all the witnesses brought out. You wouldn't want a judge to say, next, look at you and like, you look guilty. Boom, all right, you can go. Take him away. Now, there are certain situations. I was, I did go to jury duty one time. Well, I've been several times, but I got out of it most of the time. Um, and uh, I know I should do my civic duty. I, I was on one trial, and um, we let him go. He was probably guilty, but anyway, I, I, we let him go. Mercy took over, I guess. But uh, there was a, a case where this ex-husband had broken into this woman's house. And so her, his lawyer, his lawyer, they're trying to seat the jury. His lawyer gets up there and says, uh, is there any of you that feel like that um, this man is guilty? And I raised my hand. And the reason I raised my hand is because his wife said it was him that broke into the house. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think if I had an ex-wife out there and she broke into the house, I think I would recognize him, all right? And so I'm like, are you playing us for a fool or what here? And so there's certain situations. I mean, uh, in that particular case, I was pretty sure he was guilty, all right? So uh, he just asked me a question. I was just being honest. But uh, anyway, uh, here's, symptoms of, here's symptoms of wrong judging. Let me get into them before I get in trouble here. All right, number one, their failure. Oops. 
Their failure improves the opinion I have of myself. When we unscripturally judge, here are some of the things we do. When we unscripturally judge, here's the attitude we have. Their failure improves the opinion I have of myself. Number two, their failure decreases my concern for the faults I have. We feel better about ourselves. We, we start uh, excusing even more our own faults. Number three, their failure gives me a desire to see them punish. There are people that are imperfect but uh, judgmental, and they have a judgmental spirit. And when somebody does wrong, they, they, they want to be, they come across hard on that person. Uh, number four, I'm eager to tell others about their failure or somebody fails in the church. Somebody fails in the church, and you got people standing around like, you know, I just felt like there was something wrong. I felt like something was going on. Um, let me tell you something. Don't ever, ever do that kind of thing, all right? If somebody, if somebody fails, you fall on your face and you say, there I go but by the grace of Almighty God. That's, that's me except by the grace of Almighty God. So, number four, I'm eager to tell others about their failure. Um, number five, their failure prompts me to review their past failures. Well, you know, a long time ago, I remember when, yep. All right, number six, their failure causes me to feel I cannot forgive them. Let me tell you, if you can't forgive someone, that's indicative of judging them unscripturally. Number seven, I jump to conclusions. Oh, my God, help us here. I jump to conclusions about a few known facts. I jump to conclusions. Number eight, if I'm more interested, interested in exposing rather than restoring. Here is a key element of Scriptural judging, it is to restore, not to expose, not to punish, but to restore. So, um, right judging is knowing the facts. Wrong judging, our knowledge is limited. We do not know the individual as they really are. Many times we pass judgment when we don't know the whole story. It is so easy to happen. Um, I don't know about you, but on a regular basis, I have to say, God, help me. God, forgive me. It is so easy to jump to conclusions, and we're so, so programmed almost to come to immediate conclusions and, you know, you know, a little bites some news and different things coming at us all the time that, it, you know, if we're not careful, we'll just be responding to it in the same manner and to jump to conclusions. I've done it, no doubt. Maybe one or two of you have joined me in saying things and doing things and speaking out when I didn't know all the facts. So God help us. God help us. God help us. 
God help us, God help us. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.